You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Cubs fans, and welcome to Locked On Cubs. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. You can follow me on Twitter. That is at Joe Kilgallen. Check out my YouTube channel. I'm also a stand-up comedian. You can find nearly three hours of stand-up comedy content there. That is youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen. Also, give this great podcast a follow as well. That's on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. All right. I hope everyone's feeling well. It is Friday. Hope you're kicking your weekend off right. This episode will be coming to you you know, about the afternoon-ish. Cubs play 120 game at beautiful Wrigley Field against the Kansas City Royals. A battle of two absolute powers in Major League Baseball. The Chicago Cubs, who remain about 22 games out of first place, and the Kansas City Royals, who are about 117 games out of first place. This is just what an epic matchup for a mid-August. Oh, I guess it's late August now. It's August 20th, everybody. But yeah, if you're at the ballpark, you know, try to enjoy yourself drink responsibly. I'll just suggest that. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app available on all iOS devices and find one of our lockdown rooms. Now today I would like to talk about what the Cubs did in their off day yesterday. The Cubs did not play on Thursday, August 19th, but what they did do was have a Wrigley Field rededication. They had, I believe, season ticket holders were invited and other such dignitaries. Pat Hughes hosted the event, the great Pat Hughes, radio voice of the Chicago Cubs, one of the greatest radio voices and one of the greatest baseball voices of all time. I absolutely am a huge fan of Pat Hughes. And uh, basically, it seemed like the Ricketts patted themselves on the back. They they showed a documentary of how they saved Wrigley Field and all this kind of stuff. And uh, the Cubs timing on these PR things has been just laughable, laughable. I mean, Amir, what was it? 72 hours after they traded three franchise players, uh, players who at different points have been superstar status and definitely superstars in the eyes of Cubs fans. Three players who did the unthinkable by winning a World Series in the city of Chicago's north side, the Cubs, which, by the way, basically unthinkable for the White Sox. Both teams have won three World Series in the last 110 years, and yet you got one acting like, we're the Yankees when they're far from it. You know who I'm talking about. Anyhow, you, you do that, then you announce, oh, we're going to have a sports book attached to Wrigley. Here are the pictures. What do you think? Well, I think they look terrible. And also, you, what, you that's this is when you're going to announce this? This is, I think maybe they figure we'll announce it now because when we announce it in spring training, when construction begins, fans won't be as mad that we didn't spend any money on players. I don't know. Either way, I think there's going to be a day of reckoning soon with uh, how this team is going to approach this upcoming offseason as far as fan love or uh, fan uh, hate. Yeah, I'll use the word hate because it's 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 getting ugly in the sense that they they don't seem to get it. You know, I mean, Marquee Network was was doing a thing where it's like, we get it. We get it. You're a Cubs fan, and we want to do things to make Cubs fans happy. How about this? Boog Shiambi and Jim DeShales, they don't have to wear suits anymore. Remember in the 2020 season, the first season of Marquee Network, Len Casper and JD were wearing suits, and anyone who popped on had to wear a tie. And it was just like, what are you doing? They're announcing a baseball game. All right, this isn't golf at some snobby country club. This is Wrigley Field. So, which is a cathedral in my eyes, but still, it's a baseball game summer in Chicago, and you guys have these dudes working on a Windsor knot. It just, it was lame. 
It was lame. So again, there seems to be a big disconnect between what the organization thinks Cubs fans appreciate and what Cubs fans actually appreciate. We always like the simplicity of Wrigley Field. We love the Ivy. We love the, the big old school scoreboard. We love the fact that balls could land on the street and people would hang out outside the ballpark. We love the simplicity of, of grabbing a beer before the game at near one of the, the fine drinking holes. Uh, you know, one of the fine pubs around the ballpark. We we like that. It was, you know, we liked getting a big bag. We used to get like 10 cheeseburgers when I was a kid at McDonald's across the street there and walk them into the ballpark. Save yourself some money because you might not want a hot dog. Uh, you know, and the Taco Bell right there. And we, we like those things. Now, I admit I have enjoyed the giant scoreboard. I've enjoyed a good amount of the stuff that they've added within the ballpark. They've done it tastefully enough. And I understand that, the Cubs as an organization would be at a competitive disadvantage if they didn't take advantage of some of the in-house advertising things that all the other ballparks have done. Totally get that. And I, and I, for the most part, like what they did. Some of the other stuff, a little gaudy, a little like, what is, what are you trying to sell here? You'd make more money if you just had a great team. And that, and that's the biggest thing that the stain on this organization at the end of the run. And look, I know all runs come to an end. The championship window, when it started in 2015, a lot of people were like, you get about a seven-year window, which is typical, unless you make some extensions and you get that second wave of talent coming. Now, the second wave of talent is coming, but it's coming late. It's coming a few years later than they wanted. Because you do have pitchers like Ryan Jensen, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson. Jensen got promoted to double-A. Steele's already at the big league level, looking like he could be a nice fixture in the rotation. Keegan Thompson should be making his debut as a starter. He's already been in the bullpen and looked good there this weekend. So, and then, you know, there, there's a few other arms and those arms were all drafted within the last few years. They were all drafted. You know, I think uh, Jensen was 2019 first round pick Steele was taken in 2017 as well as Keegan Thompson. So yeah, the, you know, and they made some trades to go for it. Did they all work out? No, some did. I mean, obviously Cole Hamels was a nice pickup. He did great for us at, when we grabbed him and then he got hurt the following year, but he was really, really awesome those final two months of 2018. Nick Castellanos was great those final two months. And yeah, so there was some success. I'm not going to act all doom and gloom with you right now. But just the timing of things. I, I really think that I see a lot of fans have this argument, and I, and I don't want to be that fan because I, I like to quote uh, Noel Gallagher from Oasis, don't look back in anger. You know, like I still think Game of Thrones is one of the greatest television shows of all time, even though the last season was pretty, pretty bad. There's a few pretty sweet episodes, but it was still overall you felt disappointed. There is always going to come a time when you, you kind of knew that the team that won the World Series in 2016 was going to be broken up. We just didn't think it was going to be it was going to happen the way it did. And on top of that, a lot of people are like, well, who's to blame? There's a lot of factors, of course, but I still think and call me crazy. And I, I know I maybe I put this conspiracy theory out there before. We're going to have a little fun with it again. I believe that after the Cubs lost in the NLCS in 2017, in that that offseason, remember they went out, they got you Darvish, which ended up being a good contract despite him being bad year one of it. Brandon Morrow, who was awesome with us until he got hurt, he like a 1.3 Aaron run average. I remember on June 1st of 2018 when he was still healthy, thinking he's going to be an all-star for the Cubs because he was having one of the best seasons of any closer in the National League. Then he got hurt. I mean, and that, and that actually, that's an interesting one because that I believe really kind of cemented Joe Madden with Theo and Jed. 
because they specifically told him, do not pitch this guy three days in a row. We know about his injury history. If you, if you pitch him the way the Dodgers had last year, he's going to be great for us. Don't throw him three days in a row. Don't, you know, they had like instructions for him because they knew he had an elite arm, but they also knew it was a fragile arm. Madden didn't do that. And Madden would often get too cute and screw up bullpen stuff to the point where I think that's why Basio was let go after 2017 because him and Madden butted heads too much. And then obviously, you know, the Cubs won 95 games in 2018. So you're not going to fire Madden after that year. And they brought him back. They didn't extend him before the year, which kind of said a lot. And it kind of just felt like it was a weird. They found themselves in some weird situations with pending contracts. And that could, you could put that on Theo and Jed in a lot of ways. But they spent in the offseason before 2018. Tyler Chatwood was one of the one deal that I did not like and will never defend. Any other deal, even Brandon Morrow was coming off an elite year. And again, he was pitching great till he got hurt. Darvish ended up being great. You know, Hayward, four other teams bid higher than us. So it's not like the Cubs were just some dumb team that gave him way more money than he should have gotten. Uh, he was a prized piece in that free agent class. It just didn't work out. Again, you can make the right move and then it doesn't work out. I'll still support the move. Chatwood was one of the few ones where I'm like, 13 million a year for this guy? Oh, I know he has the lowest road ERA, but still, I I just don't see it. I, I Call me crazy. I mean, he's only like 27 at the time, 28. All right. Uh, and, it, you know, he was wild and he was ineffective and wasn't good for the Cubs. He was okay out of the bullpen for a stretch in 2019. But still, they sp- the way they spent, I believe if Theo knew he couldn't spend again like that, he wasn't going to be throwing those deals out there. What had happened was, uh, this is all goes back to the renovations. The renovations went way over budget. They admitted that Ricketts even said they went a hundred percent over budget, which means if you, if it was supposed to cost a grand, it cost two grand. And we know it's not a grand, two grand. It was 200 million to 400 million or whatever the heck they screwed up. And, and that coincided with the team not spending on big free agents after that. And don't bring up Kimbrel. He only got signed because uh, Zobris married the devil and she was horrible. And he had to take like six months off mid season or five months off. Uh, to be with his family, and that freed up salary to go get Kimbrough. So it was a little different. But offseason after 2018, no big free agent, no no big, like, significant signings. After 2019, no significant signings. After 2020, that's another thing that needs to be talked about a little bit more. The 2020 season, the Cubs won the Central Division. They played, yeah, they got to a great star, and then they were kind of like 500 after that, but they won the division by a few games. I believe they won the NL Central by three games. They then cut $60 million of payroll in the offseason. And I know the offense needed work and all that stuff. And other people will be like, well, they had to cut payroll because they lost money in the, pandem- the pandemic. Do the Brewers not lose money in the pandemic? Do the Cardinals not lose money in the pandemic? Because both those teams added to their payrolls in the offseasons, where the Cubs didn't. So I'm not buying that excuse. I think they screwed up so much on these renovations that it, it made big expenditures have to come to a screeching halt. Right. I really think that's what happened. And that's why I think Theo probably left a year early. Or I, I don't know. He was always a guy that was going to leave after nine or 10 years because he believes you should only be with one organization for 10 years. That's just his philosophy. But I really think they screwed up the renovation side. Then they told Theo because Theo said the offense was broke. He goes, the offense is broken after 2018. You know, somewhere along the way, I still think it was the 40 games and 41 days crazy stretch they had. I don't think a guy as smart as Theo Epstein makes that statement. If he doesn't believe he could go out and, and fix it, fix it. He makes a statement. He has meetings with ownership. Ownership says, no, we, you, you're not adding any significant players. We're going to, we don't have the money for it. And then he was like, all right, well now I got to make trades 
And then they're like, well, then make trades because, and then you can't make trades when everyone knows you're desperate to make a trade because you're going to get ripped off. Like if you, if you put your house on the market for sale, I'm selling my house for, I don't know, make an easy number here, $500,000. And then word, word gets around that you have to move within three days. You think you're going to get that $500,000 offer? Well, this market's weird, but for most markets, they'd be like, no, I'm going to wait you out. Longer the house on the market, the less. And if you're desperate to sell and you're dying to get the heck out of there, you're going to take 450. And the Cubs had a situation where Theo had a situation where he's like, I'm not going to sell off players who won a World Series for this team for 50 cents on the dollar. I'm not going to dismantle what I built because they screwed up on how many light bulbs they needed for a new scoreboard. I'm not doing that. That's not my style. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, everybody, has so many amazing flavors. And you and also, they're, it's nutritious. It's a great way to start off your day. You talk to any Built Bar fan, they'll brag about all the great flavors. Mint brownie is my personal favorite. But they also have double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, raspberry, coconut. Amazing. Built Bar, and, and I was talking about the nutritional aspect because that's important. You know, It's a protein bar, a great way to start off your day, post-workout, pre-workout you know, sustaining yourself. You get a little, you get a little hunger pangs that are on two o'clock, throw yourself a built bar in that, in that gullet, right? 17 to 18 grams of protein. Damn calories from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar. That's amazing. Amazing flavors. Again, all tasty, all healthy built bar is the official protein bar of the U S track and field team. That's pretty awesome, right? Go team USA. So here's what you want to do. You want to go to builtbar.com, use promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's right. Go to promo Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. Builtbar.com. Now, they announced, you know, I I, I did, I, I'd like to bring up the past because in order to understand the present, you do have to understand the past. You know, I'm a, I was a big fan of history for that reason, I feel like. You know, when you, when you talk to people about stuff, there's never, there's always the cause to the effect and everything. So the reason I'm just never been that pumped up about all the renovation stuff, and even though I did give them credit, I think the inside of the ballpark looks great. And, you know, and there's some amenities that are cool. Nice job there. Don't get rid of the troughs, though. It makes peeing faster. Waiting on urinals is a bummer. I've been to other ballparks, and you got seven dudes waiting behind another dude who's a long pier, and you're like, I'm going to miss an inning and a half of action. Where when you got the troughs, right, it could be unpleasant sometimes. And if you're a little kid, you know, you want to keep those eyes up or down, wherever your height matter is. But either way, I, I like the Wrigley bathrooms the way they've been my whole life. Don't mess with that. I don't want a bunch of urinals that's going to just take it way longer, okay? We got to think here. Let's be efficient. You know, you got to, you got to look at your, your wins above replacement in regards to the P game. So the Cubs, they decided to do like a rededication. I don't know. This, this all screams like they're trying to resell the fan base on the Wrigley field experience more so than the team. I've already seen like some Twitter ads and Facebook ads where it's like, it shows fans cheers and beers in like the bleachers or sitting in the 200 level where they're like, look how much fun these people are having. This could be you people. Where the previous ads would be like Javier Baez doing a bat flip or Rizzo and Bryant hugging or you know Contreras pounding his chest. You know, it was they were selling you on the team. Now they switched. They're selling you on the players or on the fan experience, and that scares me even more. I really don't want to see them just not spend this off season, but I guess I have to prepare myself mentally for it too. I like. A lot. I like what their farm system's doing, and I think some of these guys are going to hit big. Brennan Davis is just wrapping up an amazing month of August. 
Love to see it. He's cut down on the strikeouts too, because that was the one thing people were like a little nervous about. Although I wasn't so much because again, he was drafted in the second round of 2018 draft. That was a good draft for the Cubs. Nico Horner was taken in the first round. So you're going to have two bona fide major league players uh, from one draft, which believe it or not, is kind of rare. I think people don't understand how hard drafting is. There's even good teams where he'll just have a whole bad draft one year. Uh, but for the most part, the good teams have consistent player development and good drafting. I know the Cubs had some down years in the draft, but I still trusted the team itself. You know, Jason McLeod is a guy that a lot of Cubs fans are just like, he's terrible. You got to get rid of him. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I looked at his, his resume and I go, this guy was behind some huge names, some great players. He helped discover he had a few bad years. I'll admit, I don't know if his focus, maybe he just got tired of the job and thought to himself, I should be more in a general manager spot. This idea of being the head of scouting is kind of worn thin. Maybe that was the case. And that happens to people. There's a lot of people who are great at one job they have, but then they stayed in the job too long and they just kind of like, nah, they got over it. I get it. And maybe that's what happened to him. Or maybe he just had a few bad years and he recharges his batter and he goes back out there and starts finding some gems again. I don't know. They Dan Krantovich, he has been, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. By the way, I was really brutal pronouncing Hermosillo. Hermosillo. There we go. Michael Hermosillo's last name yesterday. So apologies to everybody who was like, oh man. I took French in high school, guys. All right. I had some fun with some of the good listeners on Twitter about that. I got to go back to giving you guys shout outs on Twitter, too. I'm sorry. Someone mentioned they sent me an email. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to find that email so I can get your name right. But thank you for the email. When I did my top five baseball movies recently, I think last week I did that. They go, you meant you forgot Eight Men Out and The Natural. And you know what? I do like Eight Men Out a lot. The Natural, I've not seen in a long time. I got to go back to that one. I do remember enjoying it. You know what I mean? Pick me a winner. You know, the back was made out of a tree and the whole, but the whole thing where he got shot, there was some, there was some backstory to the movie where I remember being like, this seems weird to me, you know, but there was some really cool stuff. And Robert Duvall is the, as the reporter, he's great. And uh, Robert Redford's a phenomenal actor too. So I got to revisit the natural, but those are two very, very good baseball movies. There was a baseball movie with William Peterson, Chicago's very own. It was an HBO movie, and it's almost impossible to find. It was called Long Gone. It was about a minor league baseball team in, like, the 50s. And what was the guy's name? I forget the one actor's name, but he was really funny in it. And there's just a lot of funny scenes in it. And they, um, yeah, they're, they're kind, of, kind of like a major league thing where, like, the ownership was real cheap, and they wanted to win in spite the fact. And, like, you know, it's like in uh, Slapshot with uh, Chiefs. There's a lot of bad owners. It's a common thread in a lot of sports movies where it's like the owners suck and we, the players, have to rally to win in spite of them. Anyhow, uh, yeah, you know, I think the Cubs just need to get out of their own way right now. Understand that your fan base is angry and they don't care that much about all of these other things. They're going to have a new thing next year. It's like, look, we painted the seats again. Isn't that great? We care about you. Take your family to Wrigley Field. See this. It's like we want a winner again. Because we're not we're not ready to go back. I'm not. I hope you guys aren't either. 2015, that that announced, I remember being like, the Cubs are going to be perennial. They're going to be in it every year. And I love That's why I got mad at fans. Like when we lost to the Marlins in 2020 and people were like, blow it all up and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, we don't have to blow it up. They can just build around it a little bit. They, need, they definitely need to spice things up a little bit. Maybe switch out some personnel. But this idea of a blow up or a, some fans like wanted the rebuild. And I, and I think it's because they think a rebuild is how you win all the time. Not really the case. 
you know, obviously it's a lot of the teams that are in it and like, you know, like the White Sox, the, the Giants for a stretch. Uh, a lot of these teams were really bad for a while and they piled up some draft picks. But if you don't have to, you don't. You know, I, I just feel like the Cubs with our ticket prices, I know I'm, I'm like a broken record when I keep bringing that up. We should be like the Dodgers, Red Sox, and Yankees. I think the most egregious thing from this Cubs Hall of Fame, and I'll share the link for you all so you could see uh, who they all, who all the names are. are they, about 50-some-odd people, a lot of famous players. Uh, they left off a lot of names that I think will eventually get in so they could have their own little ceremonies. This will become like an annual thing. Like next year, they'll have Kerry Wood, who deserves it. The year after that, they'll probably go Derek Lee, Ramos Ramirez, and then the, you know, they'll keep adding some players along the line um, to be in the Ryan Dempster, I'm sure, and some other names like that, Ramos Ramirez. But the most egregious name was Sammy Sosa not being there. See, <sighs> Sammy Sosa hit 545 home runs for the Chicago Cubs. 545 drove in over 1,400 runs, stole 180 bases. 284 average, 358 on base, 569 slug. That's a 928 OPS. He literally made more money for that team than any other player. And even before the steroid allegations, he was a 30-30 guy. 1993 and 1995, he had over 30 home runs and sold over 30 bases. Yes, he was a guy who struck out a lot. He changed his swing and maybe had some help for some Flintstone vitamins. And starting in 1998, he won an insane run. He had 66 home runs, 63. 50, 64, 49. You know what's really funny? In that five-year stretch I just named, which is the most home runs any player's ever hit in a five-year stretch, the two years he didn't hit 60 were the years he led the National League. When he hit 50 in 2000, that led the NL, and 49 in 2002, that led the NL. But the 66, 63, 64, he came up short, was behind Big Mac, Mark McGuire, behind Barry Bonds in 2001. In 2001, he had 160 RBI. Guess how many games he played in 2001, everyone? 160. That means he averaged an RBI per game. You know how crazy that is? 160 RBI in 160 games. He walked 116 times, only struck out 153 times, which in, by today's standards is like nothing. That's hardly striking out. Scored 146 runs, 425 total bases. Just an insane 737 slugging. Are you kidding me? And he pumped up the fans. He would go full sprint. That's how the Cubs took the field at Wrigley. He would sprint out there as fast as he could to right field, doing like a whole Kogan to the ear thing where it's like trying to get everyone jacked up and ready to go. That first game after 9-11, a lot of you are pretty young who listen to this podcast. That's almost 20 years ago. But that first game was back was just the, the emotion in the air, the just the vibes, the goosebumps he gave everyone. He runs out on the field before the game starts, waving the American flag. His first at bat hits a home run. Cubs first base coach, who I believe was Billy Williams at the time, hands him the American flag. He rounds the bases with the American flag, or as Chip Carey comes announced and said, and he's got old glory. People in the crowd were crying. It was just, it was an insanely like there was a, you know, it was a really different um time and atmosphere and he was electric and did things end on a sour note yes they did uh unfortunately he left early when i guess he wasn't supposed to but he said dusty baker said he could his teammates didn't handle that well you know because I, I and i've heard from a couple of the teammates there they go well we were all mad because we just got eliminated from the playoffs like two days before none of us wanted to be there it was a really emotional end of the season we fought hard and we blew a bunch of they did they had a three-game lead i think with a week left 
And Dusty Baker kept putting Latroy Hawkins as the closer. For what reason, nobody really knows. Because he even said before the season, he goes, I don't like closing. And because uh, Joe Borowski got banged up or wasn't as good. I can't remember what the why was. And, you know, so they're all mad. He leaves early. He had the cork bat incident. There's other stuff. But for whatever reason, the Ricketts family doesn't want to welcome him back is beyond me. You didn't own the team when all that stuff was happening. And all he did was make your brand even bigger. There's a whole generation of Cubs fans who owe Sammy Sosa for their Cubs fandom. I am one of them. I was, yeah, I was born a Cubs fan, loved the Cubs. I was, you know, I was a real little kid with Sandberg and Dawson and Grace. But Sammy Sosa, those were my years. I, I had a Sosa jersey. I would do the pop and the hop. When he had a home run, he did a hop. Cooler than a bat flip, if you ask me. All of that stuff. And it was a, a great time. Just hitting 66 home runs. Incredible. Like, and who cares if it's a needle helped it? The whole league was doing it. It just, yeah, it's it's insane that they're making him. Oh, he has to apologize. He has to. Why are you the moral police? We had Manny Ramirez as an assistant coach. We've had plenty of steroid affiliated people within this organization, and you're not going to let him come back. He needs to say he's sorry. He built a lot of those renovations. I know you spent the money, but he was the reason for the revenue. Before nineteen in 1997, a bleacher ticket was six bucks. Six bucks. Not kidding you. Then Sammy hit 66. After that, they jacked up the prices almost 100%. It became like 50 bucks, $60. I don't even know what a bleacher ticket costs now. All because of him. They were able to, the Tribune company, while they still own the team and Sam Zell, they extended the bleachers. That was all because of the revenue that man created. He was must-see TV. He was an absolute icon, and it's an embarrassment that they're trying to like keep him out of Wrigley, and that's something that they're going to pay for one day, and they should really get it right and welcome him back with open arms because that's what he meant to this organization for the time in which he played for the Chicago Cubs. Bet online, everyone. Bet online is uh, the ultimate sports. I'm sorry. I'm so used to starting the, the commercial the one way. I don't know why they changed the whole ad read. It's that time of year again, everyone, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at BetOnline. So head to the website or use your cell phone to sign up today and receive receive your 100% welcome bonus Wow. Take advantage of that. Trust me. So be sure to uh, take advantage of the opening day super promo, which we make a bet on a Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champs, Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose your wager will be refunded. Wow. Up to $25 for new customers only when signing up using promo code NFL 100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, you're going to love every second of it. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, Cubs fans. Uh, shout out to Dingers, a Cubs baseball podcast, because they gave me an idea. Marvel has been doing this what if series. Uh, like, you know, like what if, uh, you know, what if Captain America didn't take the serum? What if, you know, they're doing all these like fun little things where it's like an alternate reality which is, I'm a big Marvel fan, so it's a pretty it's a pretty cool thing. I've not checked out the latest episode yet, though. And it made me think, and they did a thing where, like, what if, like, for Cubs stuff, and they did, like, what if the White Sox didn't trade so to the Cubs? What if, you know? So I'm kind of piggybacking that a little bit. I was doing my free agent profiles, but I figured it's Friday before the weekend. Let's have this one. And for fun, I'm going to have the, what if the Cubs surrendered to the hangover? What does that mean? The World Series hangover was a real thing, and and. Yeah, it kind of is championship hangover. They call it in other sports too. 
Now, if you forget, after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, 2017 first half, the Cubs were 43 and 45 at the All-Star break. They were below 500 and five games out of first place. What I mean by what if the Cubs surrendered to the hangover? What would have changed in the outset of that? Because the 2013, there was a a streak going for a while that the team who won the World Series the following year did not make the playoffs. Started with the Giants in 2010. They won the World Series, didn't make the playoffs, but then they won the following year. They did it again in 2012. 2011 Cardinals didn't make the playoffs in 2012. Or the, the Red Sox, or maybe the Cardinals did, but the Red Sox in 2013 won the World Series, didn't make the playoffs in 2014. Giants 2014 didn't make in 2015. Royals in 2015 didn't make in 2016. And then people were like, well, 2016 Cubs, will they continue that? And I wanted them to buck the trend, and I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did. The NLCS was, was still a fun thing. And I think, what if they didn't make the... Eloy Jimenez, if they just decide, ah, well, we either catch him in the second half or we don't, whatever happens, happens, but we're not going to overreact. A lot of teams don't make the playoffs the following season. It's okay. World Series hangover is going to be expected because this isn't just a regular World Series hangover. This is a 108-year World Series hangover. You know what I mean? These guys were really partying up and they deserved it the whole offseason. So I think to myself, what would have happened if we didn't trade Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana? Would Eloy Jimenez be playing left field for the Chicago Cubs right now? No. And you don't want that. He almost, he almost killed himself the other day running into Luis Robert. And at Wrigley, he would have run right into the wall, and it would have been a, a really sad, tragic event that fans who were sitting nearby would have – there would have been therapy for a long time. So I think, though, they don't make the trade, right? They just accept their fate, and they, they miss the playoffs in 2017. I think you know what happens in 2018? I think they make Eloy Jimenez trade – at the all-star break in 2018 to get Manny Machado. You know, the Dodgers picked up Manny Machado. I think the Cubs would have done that. I think they would have saw the writing on the wall with Addison Russell with the personal stuff and would have felt like, you know what, let's make this deal now. And I think Eloy Jimenez is a Baltimore Oriole right now. And Manny Machado would have been playing shortstop with Javi at second or switch it around. That's what I think would have happened there. And then I think the 2018 Cubs win the World Series, assuming they would have made all the other moves. You Darvish and all that. Maybe they don't go for Chatwood. Maybe they decide to let Mike Montgomery pitch. Maybe they make a different trade as well. Maybe the Orioles would have had a starter that would have sent our way to go along with it. But that's that's something to think about, you know, because 2018 Addison Russell was bad. That's when it was Javi and Zobris really took over. And then we even added Daniel Murphy after Addison Russell kind of came back. I don't know if he was injured or whatever. And then in 2019, or was it, yeah, 2018, then, you know, that's when the allegations fully came out. Because in 2017, Addison Russell was first. You know, his uh, now ex-wife made the f- Instagram post being like, you know, bye, I'm better off without you, you're scumbag and all this. And then one of her friends in the comments said, oh, and he hits her too. And then later she took it down and then said no. And then people were like, okay. And then people, and then later in retrospect, a lot of fans were like, the Cubs should have gotten rid of him at that moment. But, you know, to be fair, you can't fire someone from their job because of a third-party Instagram comment. I mean... The Major Major League Baseball Players Association would have been suing a lot of people. There would have been a whole thing where it's like there's no evidence, there's no anything. And and then, you know, uh, the truth came to light. And then they didn't get rid of him right away. They picked him back up and wanted to rehab him and all that and try to get him help. And they made him attend domestic violence classes. They made him see a therapist. And, you know, a lot of fans were upset about that, too. And I totally get that. I totally understand that. Uh, from what I, I heard talking to a domestic violence expert, and most of them believe that they they don't support zero tolerance because there's a lot of fans who are like, as soon as it happens, you get rid of them, they're out of the league. 
They don't. Domestic violence experts do not support a zero tolerance policy. And also, I believe her name was Melissa something or other. She didn't want the Cubs to get rid of them. Um, well, another reason being she was due, she was going to get a lot of money. And if he's not making any money, you know, if he's making zero dollars playing somewhere else, financially speaking, I think I think that's part of why the Cubs picked him up. Um, again, don't, you know, don't quote me exactly on that, but that was the feel at the time. I think they kind of thought, you know what? will pick up his contract because they could have non-tendered him and saved about five million. They picked him up for the five million. I think they kind of were like half of this money is going to the kids and Melissa, who's who is the who are the victims, right? She's the victim and the kids are as well, of course. And um, you know, having to suffer through having a horrible dad like that. So yeah, definitely no Edison Russell, terrible person, not sticking up for him at all. It's just an interesting thing, uh, in regards of what's the right course. Cause there's part of me that's like when I hear about this stuff, like Never allowed in the league again. Get rid of them. But then the, the the experts, you know, these people study it and and are trained in it, and they think there's a a different course that needs to be taken. It depends the degree of it too. You know, obviously, when I saw the Ray Rice video in the NFL, I was like, put that guy in jail. You know, which is true. You should be in jail for assault like that. That's a crime, and you need to go to jail. So I think they all should have jail time. And then whether the league wants to let them back or figure out a way to rehab them and. You know, it depends what the crime is, because there's some crimes that are just beyond repair. You don't get second chances for. And then there's other ones where it's like, OK, you know, you have issues. Your mental uh, facilities are a little off at the moment and we can try to fix you up. You know, uh, I'm going to end the podcast, though, plugging a really great event. Club 400, which is a Cubs charity, it's Cubs fans helping Cubs fans are doing a wonderful event for the Cologne family. Uh, Eddie Cologne, I've had the pleasure of meeting for his son, Riker, who's just six years old. Um, he's got a, a health condition. He's in a wheelchair and they're, they're raising money to, um, to help with like, you know, medical expenses and, and all sorts of things like that. Uh, and Ryan Dempster is going to be the, the Cubs celebrity guest. So this will take place Friday, September 10th, 2021, of course, from 6 PM to 10 PM, uh, VIP tickets are $200 includes an after party from 10 PM to midnight. And, uh, the regular tickets, 150. Again, all the money is going to a great cause. There will be pizza, beer, and wine. You can get a picture with Ryan Dempster. There's gonna be a Q and a with Ryan Dempster hosted by your boy, Joe Kilgallen. I will be emceeing the event. Uh, yeah. And you can also get an autograph too. So get a picture and get an autograph. You got to provide the item, but basically you want to go to club 400.com. Just search club 400 Cubs and you'll see all the information. It's in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. I believe Huntley is the name of the suburb. I didn't have that information on me. I think I should. But if you buy the ticket, then they give you all the information. So you get to hang out with Ryan Dempster, who's an awesome human being. Um, also, this is it takes place at Club 400, which is like a Cubs museum. Some of the coolest things you will ever see in your entire life in this big, sprawled out, ultimate Cubs man cave. So I can't hype it up enough for you. Uh, you guys are the absolute best for listening to this podcast. Can't thank you enough. And as always... Go Cubs. Locked on bets, everybody. Betting on the NBA, MLB, or NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.